out at HebrewNationOnline.com and click on the Marketplace link. You're listening to Hebrew Nation Radio, a division of Torah to the Nations. Welcome back. You are listening to the Wednesday morning program, and some of you are also listening to us talking off of the air. (laughs) (laughs) So, which is all good. It's all good. It's all good stuff. And so uh, we're just happy that you're tuning in today. And uh, thank you listeners out there that have told us that, hey, you guys might think you're muted, but we can hear you. So anyway, <laughs> that is awesome. But, uh, you know, we were we were talking off the air as well about the conditioning, the mind control, and the, and the fear. Um, and I think, uh, you know, as, as I was sharing as well, the contrast was stark. And it just shows you, it's kind of like the frog in the, in the pot of hot water that, you know, boils before, you know, he's cooked before he realizes what's happening. And I felt that way when I went to California because of the contrast from, you know, what I'm used to living in here in Oklahoma to go there cold turkey, so to speak. It was shocking. Yeah, and I think uh, we, we are about to see the greatest demographic change in the United States probably since its inception because these blue states are hanging on, you know, to their power and they are forcing, they're literally literally forcing people out of the state. I know record numbers of people are leaving California. We're seeing it here in New Mexico. I know the same uh, is true for some of the other states, uh, Michigan, Connecticut, look at New York. They're in flocking to North Carolina, Florida, etc. So the whole, our whole United States, I mean, we're going to be upended in more ways than we can even imagine. And we need to prepare for this. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know when the the dust settles, you know, if we find our center again, but we are headed for some very, very volatile times. So I wanted to mention uh, just very briefly, because, uh, you know, going back historically to, uh, probably a period around, oh, 2500 BCE. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but, you know, if you go down into ancient Mesopotamia, you had all these sort of these city-states like Uruk and uh, Ur and all these various places, Shinar. And what happened was they were their own cities, and they built up their sort of their power within their city, and then they would kind of war against neighboring cities, and that's what we call city-states. But along about uh, the 24th century comes a guy named Sargon I of Akkad. So we had Samaria and we had Akkad, A-K-K-A-D. And uh, he is the first to basically expand militarily and conquer all the city-states under his, under his uh, empire. 
and he he conquers really from Persia all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, uh, gobbling up territory and people all along the way and oppressing everyone who lives there. So he is really the first um, the first one to extend global domination to the world, and that pattern ha- has been the same ever since. So the Babylonian the Earlier Babylonians and Neo-Babylonians all followed the same pattern. So you see, when we, we focus on our target area, Israel, you see that, that empire building all around them, and it keeps growing and growing and growing until it's it's at its largest extent under the Roman Empire, all the way to uh, England, to Afghanistan, essentially, and all that landmass in between. And and Rome eventually crumbled under its own weight of bureaucracy and all kinds of immorality and everything else. But it was too large, too wieldy, and it could not function. And so that is the very nature, and, and we're you know we're seeing that in our own country. But this is this is the nature of tyrants. Okay, is to you know take territory, expand it militarily, to crush the enemy, kill, steal, destroy, blah blah blah. And then we contrast that with Yeshua, who in Matthew 28 sends out his disciples into all the world to teach the good news. And uh, when it says in there, and then the end shall come, actually that translation for end is a terrible translation because the Hebrew word is telos. I mean, excuse me, the Greek word. And really what that means is then the goal will come. The target will be met. And so that, you know, we expand through love, uh, covenant love. We expand through humility. We expand through kindness and taking care of the least of these and those that are downtrodden and have no voice. So we see the ver- these two things are in complete opposition to one another. The kingdom of the nations that dominate and crush and oppress and tyrannize. And then the kingdom of our God. It is a kingdom established for the least of these. So I just wanted to kind of, because that's the contrast we are dealing with today. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 So, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Did you say something? No. I don't think so. Okay. So I mentioned uh, the acts in the Bible, all the various things that are, are done, like our creation account is a subversive account, if you will, or in opposition to the account of the Babylonian creation account. Our flood story is subversive, if you will, in terms of the, the nation's flood stories at the time. So, for example, when we see uh, the children of Israel at the sea, how do they act against this world, this power structure of the day? So we see, of course, Pharaoh. And what happens to them? They drown in the sea, all his military and his chariots and everything else. And so th- this, it, to the Bible, this is, an act, this is a subversive act against the world empire of, e- of Egypt. And so we are called in our own lives to, to live that way. Now, I guess the question we would ask is, you know, how does that apply to today? And why is this election so important? Because we are dealing with two kingdoms colliding. And one of them's going to win and one of them's going to lose at this juncture. I don't know how it plays out in the future. But that this isn't about two men who, you know, one's got, you know, one's in a basement. And, you know, now we're, we're, we're being unlo- <laughs> it's unloading of his compromise and corruption 
uh, on a level we've probably never seen in our, our history. And the other, you know, is a little rough around the edges. And, uh, you know, he's, we wouldn't call him a statesman. And, you know, he says things we don't agree and tweets thing we, things we don't agree with necessarily, but we love him anyways, right? right. Uh, but this is not about two men. This is not about personalities. And in some sense, it's not even about policies. Although, you know, we recognize the, the, the policies that Trump has implemented have benefited the United States. This is about freedom or slavery. Like it couldn't, the stakes could not be higher. These are two competing agendas, really two competing regimes or ways of life. And the two cannot exist together. We cannot peacefully coexist with one trying to destroy the other. And so our founders uh, you know, built a nation on individual rights and the rule of law. And so we had for what centuries, uh, a sort of shared understanding of our common good. But now, uh, you know, now we're dealing with this, it, it really, it's a revolution. You, you got to call it what it is, the Democrat Party in league with the BLM and the media and Antifa. This is a, a violent revolution, an attempt to overthrow the nation as founded. There's no middle ground here. This is the overthrow of America as founded. That's the choice that you're making. You're not, you've got to get out of the mindset that you're making a choice between two flawed, corrupt, on one side, I would say, men. Okay, this is an existential threat to everything we are. Mm. Man, that is so well said. Yes, yes. So well, well said. And so Christians have squandered, uh, uh, what, what, what's the word I want? Their, their authority and their ability to in, influence by not getting involved in politics because mm -hmm. everything is political. Going back to, you know, ancient Mesopotamia and the founding of the world. Okay, one of the largest groups of people in the United States that is not registered to vote are evangelicals. This is, I, you know, I, this is abhorrent to me. And, uh, you know, there is, there is an effort to try to, you know, get them voted. But, you know, again, the, con the contest is between one who, you know, one side who believes America's good and the other side who believes America's bad. And, and who, who's going to win here? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Oh my gosh! No, you are so right on because that's that's mm -hmm. the that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, you know. And yeah. you're right, people. Uh, we've we've advocated our position. There used to be a uh, a group of pastors that used to monitor the movies in Hollywood, right? And, and we said, oh, well, we, you know, Hollywood's too worldly. And so they advocated that position in the film industry. And look what happened in all of the entertainment industry. We're, we're called really to be standard bearers and to stop the tide of evil and to uphold righteousness. But how can we do that just by sitting at home and doing nothing? Well, we don't live in boxes. Okay. Right. You know, you so I, I attribute some of this to first century, well, coming out of the first century into the early centuries of, uh, you know, Gnosticism. 
So Gnosticism, I mean, basically you're dividing your world into a spiritual world and a physical world. Spiritual world, good. Physical world, bad. Spirit, mm-hmm. You know, the Gnostics held up that the material world was, you know, evil. And I think we've done exactly the same thing because we've got Christians and faith community people running around thinking that, you know, I'm I'm in the spiritual box and that's the good box and that's where we need to be. Because I'm not in this, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. <laughs> and, right. you, know, you know, excuse me, but every day of your life is a physical act, getting right. up in the morning and, you know, if you've got kids... You got to feed them and get everything ready. You got to go off to work. I'm sorry. And and everything around you, you cannot separate yourself into these two boxes. And I, I do think that this has been the fruit of this Gnostic thinking that we are sort of this dual thing. And one part of us is spiritual. One part of us is, is physical and they don't connect. This is just ridiculous in my mind. And I think it's led to this idea of abdicating our responsibilities for who our leaders are. I mean, no time in the history of humankind, really, could you vote for your leader. You know, you were at the whim and the mercy and the, and the you know, the iron club of whoever the king was. And so we, we were given the greatest gift, bar none, in the history of humankind, that the founders put, created a, uh, a republic in which we would have a responsibility. But guess what, folks? you got to work every day for freedom. You don't just arrive. So you don't just vote for somebody and go, okay, well, you know, all is well and I'm back to work. Freedom has to be worked at and sought after and fought for every single day. And so because we become lazy and comfortable and we just want someone else to do it for us, now we don't even know how to do it. You know? Right. Wow. Wow, that is so that is so true. And what we've done, you know, we we do have that mentality, I believe, in in all walks of of our faith that will say, well, when you know, I'm waiting for the Lord to return and he's going to straighten everything out like we have no responsibility to do anything while we're here. Yeah, right. And and we're we're now being held to account. Okay, we've been skating through this for quite some time. And we are now being held for, to account for our, our lack in that, in that regard. And uh, no more. Right. Right. No, it's, you know, what it was so amazing to me. And I know there's people out there that are never Trumpers and Trump haters and whatever. But had he not been elected, I mean, I was, Stephen and I were talking about this the other night. I said, you know, yeah, I heard him in, in, in 2016, you know, talking about, you know, the swamp, we've got to drain the swamp and drain the swamp. But we had no idea how deep this swamp was until things started getting exposed after he was elected. And I really feel like the father's doing this, you know, he's saying, here's what's going on, you know, behind like even with our justice department it's shocking oh and um we might talk about that i mentioned before we started i would explain some about how we how we ended up here because we didn't end up here overnight this has been a 70 year thing you know again we elect people and we we have this expectation that they'll go represent us i mean honestly the founders never wanted these Congress people to be going into Washington forever, 
like 47 years right. and just feeding off the government trough. Right. <laughs> just, you know, that was, you were supposed to serve a couple of terms and then go back and work and live in your community. And then you understood how both operated and you could be a better citizen of your community if you understood better, you know, how Washington functioned. But I mean, the thing's a sewer heat now. Um, but you're exactly right. Had not Donald Trump been elected, we would have no clue. And I will be the first to say I was clueless. I mean, you know, I voted Republican all through the years, I guess with the hope. And then I would see they would do stupid stuff. And I'm going, you know, the, these people don't represent me, but I'm voting for this party because at least this is a party that protects the unborn in its platform. Unlike the other party, which does not protect the unborn in any way. But I honestly, I had no idea, just like pretty much everybody in America, that it was this bad. And you, so we're watching this revolution take place. But again, it didn't happen overnight. It's been growing, honestly, since the turn of the, of the last century. Um, there was one point I wanted to make again. So we're not voting for personality in chief. Okay. Could we just, you know, forget that we're not voting for Christian in chief. We're voting for leaders who will advocate for, um, you know, uh, biblical principles in our culture, whose policies advocate in that way. And so the bottom line for we believers in the New Testament, of course, is taking care of the poor and the vulnerable and the downtrodden and the weak and, you know, especially our unborn babies. Uh, and so who do you think is going to defend those people? If that is your mission and your call as a kingdom person to do what you can do to um, to help, you know, the elderly and the handicapped and all that. Are you going to vote for a person who could care less about them and whose policies continue to enslave them and kill them? Or are you going to vote for a person who maybe you don't like that much? However, their policies are all about protecting the ones that God has called you to protect. Excuse me. And, you know, this is the first president ever in the history to attend the March for Life and actually speak there. Yes. So if we're, if we're going to make a difference, you know, we have we have um, representatives that are supposed to make a difference on our behalf, and uh, we cannot just abandon that. We live in a political world. Uh, we are contributing, I would say, to our cultural depravity by not engaging with the culture and trying to make a difference. Yes, yes. Wow. Well, yeah, we, we are definitely... Uh, being uh, conditioned to actually be fearful and not uh, stand up. Even, you know, I, I know people that won't even put a sign in their yard because they said, you know, well, I open my house to vandalism and, and things like that, even if I put a sign in my yard. And so, no, I, no. and you see what happens. Well, I have, we proudly have a flag and signs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and did you ever think, you know, when we walk in our neighborhood and around that you would know who someone's voting for if they have a flag? Yeah, I know. Yes. That's what it's yes. come to. Yeah, I drive around the neighborhood. I see an American flag, maybe no sign. I'm going, yeah, they're voting for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am. We are in it. We have no options, folks. And if you have not registered to vote, I don't even know if you can anymore. And some states is probably 
over, but you, you are, we, this is, we are at the moment, this is ground game on steroids. Okay. Whoever gets to the polls wins on this one. And so, uh, the call is to, you know, drag, whatever you got to drag, family members, friends, whatever, get them to the polls to vote because it is a numbers game, okay? And where we are now, so the, those that are involved and excited and all, you know, those people are voting, you know, and I don't know what the numbers are, but now we're left with the sort of low information voter. And mm -hmm. so we've got to figure out a way to get them to the to the polls because this whole thing comes down to turnout. It's just, and my hope and prayer is that, uh, the, the turnout uh, for Trump is just, uh, massive to where we swamp the other side to the degree that all the fraud that's going on and it is to make a difference. Right. Yeah. It, that's, that's my hope. So here's, here's what's happening on the ground. Uh, I think the latest number is 27 million people have voted. The Democrats have voted early because they have been panicked by their leaders uh, that they can't vote in person because they're going to die in line. And so they voted early mail-in. So those numbers are staggering that are coming in. However, Republicans, uh, the, the number of Republicans that are voting in person or taking absentee ballots in person, delivering them to their precinct, November 3rd is, I mean, a lot of Republicans are just going to vote, you know, in person on the day, which leads me to my greatest prayer going forward is we need to pray that November 3rd is, has perfect weather from yes. Maine to California. Yeah. We don't need snowstorms. We don't need rainstorms. We don't need yes. anything because the Republicans are all waiting to vote at the last minute. Yes. Right. Right. Well, and, and that is true because many that, uh, you know, that I've talked to have said, you know, I want to make sure my vote counts. And exactly. I, yeah. So we're it, seeing it heavily weighted at the beginning to the Democrats because Republicans are waiting. They want to go vote in person and make sure their vote counts. So right. this is a very different election because in the old days, Republicans were the one that ones that always went to the polls early and voted did early voting or absentee or whatever, and they'd get there in. But this thing's completely flipped. Everything about this has flipped. And I'm just going to tell you, you cannot watch these polls. They are not good. There's really only one poll right now that I would recommend you watching. It's called the Trafalgar poll. And the guy, I can't remember his name. How, how, how do you spell that? Uh, T. Trafalgar, T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R. Yeah, check that one out, because in the last election, 2016, he was dead on. Now, he didn't have a polling organization at the time. He was just, you know, monitoring everything, and he got it exactly right. One of the things he does, so typically your pollster calls up and asks 25 questions. Well, who the heck wants to answer 25 questions? Right. So he reduced it to seven questions, and one of the questions is, who is your neighbor voting for? Yes. Because pretty much who their neighbor is voting for is who they're going to vote for. Mm -hmm. He also doesn't just make phone calls. He collects information in every possible way, you know, online, email, text, you name it. And he puts that all together. And he doesn't weight the polls heavily for Democrats. 
And he's also looking at the sort of secret, you know, closet Republican. I mean, Democrats are going to vote for Trump. So he has a much better uh, view of how this is going to look. And I mean, he does say it'll be close, but right now, it, you know, it's looking like Trump's going to have at least 280 something um, electoral votes. I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it's a landslide, but I don't know. I am not a pollster. I don't know if this person was on Tucker last night because there was a fellow on that member and he is the one that got it right and kind of said what you said. And I think there is there is so many people that we just don't know that are afraid, like you said. When they call, they're not to, going to say who they're going to vote for or are afraid of what, either the backlash from even their family or workers or yeah. whatever. And yeah. so when they get there and there's nobody there, nobody knows what they're going to do. And I think that is also with a great majority is counting on. Yes, amen. Well, we will be back. <laughs> 